Hello, this is Frank Falvey with Frank's Musings. Well, today I'm just going to cover some oddball subjects, some stuff maybe that was in the news. Um, but I want to begin with a, a warning that I keep giving and I want to give it more seriously, and that's fraud, both computer fraud and telephone fraud. I noticed that both uh, my electric company and my gas company, which are two different companies, sent in their last bill, you know, I still receive uh, paper bills, uh, brought up and had a piece on two different types of fraud that their customers were experiencing. Our customers uh, were experiencing over the phone or over the computer. Uh, some of those are that you, your computer uh, don't turn it off uh, because it's infected and you destroy everything, but call this number or a email that you get that from a friend that says, uh, I need uh, your help. Uh, eventually, they want you to go out and buy a certain type of credit card. And the minute they ask for uh, this gift card's uh, number, you know, special number on the gift card, it's all over you. I mean, you know, you know that it's a case of fraud. When they're asking you for social security numbers, they're asking you for uh, security numbers, uh, that's the total tip-off from some place that you don't know and that you haven't done business with on a reputable basis. Also, I heard there was a report uh, out, uh, and I don't know where you find it, somewhere on the computer, about uh, one job frauds. Uh, that companies are uh, asking you and telling you that there's a job, uh, they've hired you, um, that you can apply uh, for this type of job. Uh, all you need to give them is either, again, a credit card, a gift card number, uh, and, and then they, they've got you, or that you need to send in a deposit or a certain amount of money uh, they mentioned uh, uh, two other uh, major uh, types of uh, fraud, either over the telephone or on the computer. So please, please, be aware. Uh, do some research now, today, in what types of fraud are happening. And I would even encourage you to uh, uh, either call the police department here in Franklin one, to report it if you've ever been a, a subject of fraud and at least let them know what type of fraud this was, or to uh, reach out to the town of Franklin to make them aware of uh, the type of fraud and if you've ever been uh, uh, had, had a case of fraud. Well, the um, legislature and I'm not going to say in its wisdom, but the legislature passed a bill on driver's license. And uh, what they're saying is those seeking a license now uh, can be 
non-legal citizens of Massachusetts. Uh, they uh, need to present two documents. The first must either be a valid, unexpired foreign passport or valid, unexpired consular identification. A second kind of identification could include an unexpired driver's license from any U.S. state or territory, a birth certificate, a valid unexpired foreign national identification card, or foreign driver's license, or a marriage certificate issued in Massachusetts. At least one document must contain a photograph. The bill also states that immigrants eligible for driver's licenses would not be registered to vote as a result. How do you do that? It doesn't say here, it doesn't say here how the driver's license is going to be different than a regular driver's license. So how is a town clerk going to know one of the identification pieces presented to the town clerk uh, is a driver's license. I would, I would think and hope that there'd be differences in the driver's license that are readily, uh, uh, you can readily see. But in this article it says, for the immigration community, it's a real big step to be able to not fear that just, you know, small thing they're saying, just for driving without a license, could cost one to go to immigration court and deportation. Well, they're here, here illegally. I mean, aren't they subject to deportation? Uh, Bello has told her clients about the pros and cons, including being able to get car insurance have a record of living in the U.S. and showing good moral character. However, she warns of other potential consequences. For people going to apply for their driver's license, if they ever had a record before with immigration, they need to see an immigration attorney to verify that they will not be at more risk for deportation. Um, so, for me, uh, this is a major uh, concern. Um, I believe our immigration policy uh, has created a, the second largest ethnic group now in the United States, an ethnic group that we do not hear about very much uh, I don't know whether it's because of illegal immigrants. I mean, we hear almost every day about Black Lives Matter and some atrocities that are perpetrated against that group. But we don't hear pro or con of atrocities or good things that are happening to um, Latino Americans, uh, particularly those, you know, coming from Nicaragua, Guatemala, uh, you know, uh, the Central American countries where there is, uh, 
crime and ruthlessness and gangs and uh, uh, warfare uh, on a local uh, level of, you know, this territory is mine and, you know, I'll do whatever I want because I have the guns and the power. And so they're coming across the border and it is a particularly ethnic group, uh, one language and basically one faith. Our immigration back in the 18th and 19th century was from European countries, different faiths, different cultures, different people, and we have not opened our borders to refugees out of Africa. We've not opened them up to Muslims or Arabs out of the Middle East. And certainly we've never been very friendly to Chinese uh, coming to the United States. Well, the other uh, bill that I didn't even know has been in existing for a year, that the governor during the coronavirus allowed restaurants to serve drinks that people could take off, uh, off the premise of the restaurant. Uh, as I understand it, uh, you can order a meal to go and have a drink to go with it, with the meal. Or you can go to a restaurant, uh, have a drink and, and take it to your car. You know, uh, take it outside, you know, go order it, order some uh, food, uh, go over to the park and, and have your lunch and, and drink at the park. Uh, on May 29th, I think this is May 29th of 2001, uh, Baker rescinded most of the coronavirus-related mandates, with nearly the rest expiring at the end of the state emergency on June 15th. While many locals were excited for a return to some sense of normalcy, the end of the state emergency also meant the potential end to some pandemic-related policies that were helping small businesses get by, such as to-go alcohol sales by restaurants. Beer, wine came first, followed by cocktails months later, improving outdoor dining, permitting, and uh, fee caps on third-party delivery services. The passage of today's bill, which was approved by the Senate and the House last night, allows restaurants to continue selling beer, wine, and cocktails would take out orders through May 1st, 2022. Prices must be the same as drinks consumed on site. Um, I believe that just recently that has been made a permanent law. Well, let's go to women's prisons. Lawmakers advocate questioned need for new women's prison in Massachusetts. Framingham is home to the oldest state prison for women in the nation. And it is so, it is, it is little surprise that the facility is decrepit. But as the state weighs whether to spend $50 million on a new woman's prison, Advocates and some lawmakers are rallying against the proposal. 
this particular moment in the Commonwealth history takes me back to organizing that happened many years ago. It was community-based organizing led in large part by formerly incarcerated people trying to stop the construction of a Chicopee woman's jail. State Senator Joan Cromford sat at a briefing this week on a bill that seeks to place a temporary halt on prison construction. I think we all, this is a quote, I think that we all agree that any kind of construction of a woman's prison would take the Commonwealth in absolutely the wrong direction. I couldn't disagree with her more. This prison in Framingham is decrepit, it's old, it houses young women that aren't even 18 along with older women. Hopefully, hopefully they're separated somehow. It is long, long overdue that we have a facility and a capacity that can humanely and righteously house women prisoners. And that we have at least, I would recommend, two separate prisons, one for those uh, serving under the age of 18 and another prison for those over the age of 18. Or at least if there's one prison, that it's totally two separate facilities within the confines of that prison. I think the way we spend money, $50 million, is a small pot, and I hope we pay cash for it. I don't want to see a bond issue. Why should we pay interest on a bond? Let's build this woman's prison. It's needed, it's humane, it's right, it's what's needed for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. <laughs> I know um, I know I'm different when it comes to a lot of things. And that difference is not going to a hospital or a doctor's office and they say, you know, sign here. They don't even tell you what you're signing, right? You know, just sign here. Well, let me help educate you, okay, what you're signing. From the Milford Hospital, this is the actual document that they're putting your signature against. Authorization to release medical records, okay. I understand that my information will be shared for the purpose of health information exchange, which includes MA Highway, Continuum of Care Documents, Massachusetts Immunization Information, and Patient Ping. I don't, I don't know what any of that is. The sharing of my information may include almost any information contained in my record, including all immunizations I have received. Massachusetts law requires that Milford Regional submit to all immunizations by the state. By signing this document, I'm agreeing to participate in these programs since I understand Massachusetts is an opt-out state. So when you sign that computer thing, you're agreeing to that. Um, acknowledgement of receipt. I acknowledge that I have received a copy of Milford Regional Medical Center's Notice of Privacy, Practices 
a copy of Milford's Regional Patients' Rights and Responsibility, a copy of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts Patient Rights and Responsibilities. No, you haven't. You sign the thing and they never, never ever give you a copy. Who has ever got a copy of those documents? Consent for wounded photography and consent to general photography. I consent to the taking of photograph for purposes of identification. The photograph may be permanently retained in my medical record. I understand that a patient's identification wristband may be used in lieu of photography. Uh, I understand that the photography will only be used for purposes described and will not otherwise be released without my express consent. Further, I acknowledge and hereby inform that Milford Regional Medical Center uses real-time video surveillance and recording equipment. This equipment is solely for monitoring the patient's area of safety. Video surveillance and recording equipment is used in common areas and never used in a patient's bedroom or bathroom. Consent for wounded photography. The photographs may be taken for the purpose of wounded documentation, treatment follow-up, medical education, or evidence collection. I hereby release Milford Regional Medical Center from any and all liabilities arising from the taking and subsequent use of photographs. Medically necessary photographs are considered protected health information as described in the health insurance portable accountability. Therefore, they become part of your medical record and are subject to protection and confidentiality as any other part of the record. Why in the world do you want photographs of wounds on you and photographs maybe of how they recovered? There's no reason that you want to give up uh, that right. Uh, here is privacy notice from uh, the Stewart Healthcare System, which is at uh, St. Elizabeth's Hospital in uh, Brighton. Financial policy. I understand my insurance policy is a contract between me and the insurance company and myself in that I am ultimately responsible for the entire bill. Again, let me read this English. And that I am ultimately responsible for the entire bill. The only exception to this is an approved workers' compensation claim and that should my workers' compensation status be reversed, that I am responsible for the entire bill. Again, I am responsible for the entire bill. I understand that the fees are based on treatment received and have no bearing on outcome. I also understand there may be char charges for appointments missed or canceled less than 24 hours prior to my appointment time. Now, what's happening here? If you have an insurance plan, right, and the, the insurance plan 
pays so much to the hospital. The hospital takes that creditor account. But this English language is saying that insurance plan is not paying the whole bill, right? So you could be responsible for that portion that's not paid, the way I read this. Now, the insurance company does have a contract with the hospital, right, that this is the amount they'll pay and that they will not rebuild the unbilled part to the individual. Not all insurance plans have that language. And even if they do have that language, to me this English is saying, hey, if the hospital level wants to collect the difference in the balance, you've signed an agreement that you've never got a copy of, you've never read, that I'm going to pay it. Now, I totally understand you don't have much of a choice because if you don't sign this, as hospital after hospital has explained to me, you will not be treated. We will not treat you, Frank. We will not see you if you don't sign this. At some point, I'm not going to get medical treatment. At some point, I will refuse to sign this. All right? Why should I, under duress, why should I, under duress, have to agree to this rooting and terminology? Now, let's get to the ridiculous part of this, right? You apparently have a right of not being bothered by debt collectors, not being harassed over the phone for payment of hospital bills that have gone past due. But by signing that little gizmo, you know, with a pen, this is what you're agreeing to. You're agreeing to waiver that. I agree that Steward Health Care Systems, Inc. and its agents, including debt collectors, may contact me through the use of any dialing equipment, including a dialer, automatic telephone dialing system, and our interactive voice recognition system, and our artificial or pre-recorded voice or messages, even if I'm charged for the call or message for the purpose of servicing any current and future accounts and collecting amounts due. I agree that such automated calls may be made to any telephone number, including numbers assigned to any paging, cellular, or mobile service or any service. I have provided previously or may provide in the future in connection with my account, unless I, I have requested confidential communication from Stewart or its agency. That This particular one and, and the others seem to be now boilerplate language in all doctors, or a lot of doctors, in, in all hospital situations. Well, let's go to the uh, Supreme Court for a moment. You know, the Supreme Court, they seem to want Harvard, Yale uh, uh, graduates. They want people that have served on 
uh, appellate courts or lower courts. But I favor more of a political involvement. And the last Supreme Court nominee uh, was uh, someone politically involved and not a graduate of Harvard or Yale. I believe she was a graduate of Notre Dame. And I believe she did have some uh, uh, political connections. But the main political connection goes back to uh, the Warren Court. Chief Justice Warren was governor of California. Why, why do I want to bring up that? Because that was the court, right, that overturned Brown versus the Board of Education by a nine to zero vote. Nine men, zero women, zero minorities, Nine men said that segregation in schools must end. Now, they did make a mistake in, in saying, with all deliberate speed. I mean, all deliberate speed is how, how uh, fast, how slow can molasses flow? You know, how, how can you have molasses just trickle, trickle, trickle? The Warren Court also gave us the Miranda rights, nine men. The Warren Court also gave us more freedom uh, in dealing with police. It gave us the civil rights uh, legislation approval. In other words, it held up civil rights cases. I believe it was uh, Brennan, and I believe again it was a nine-member male court that gave us protection, a woman protection, to decide uh, up to, I think, the last trimester of whether to have an abortion or not, which is still the law of the land. The president has chosen a woman, African-American, to be a nominee. Well, there, there are reasons uh, to have that. Uh, African-American women have been a very strong uh, backbone, uh, maybe in the, in, in the immediate front with the, the, the uh, Mel Tillis uh, killing, uh, uh, the bus ride, uh, or Louise Parks. But in all of our court's history, who haven't we had? We haven't had a Native American. We haven't, as far as I know, had an Asian woman or man. I don't uh, believe that we've had a Hindu or a Buddhist on the court. I don't believe, okay, that we've had a Native Hawaiian or Native Alaskan on the court. I certainly don't think we've had a Muslim. I don't think we've had a Middle East person. And I think the emphasis on intellectual ability may be going in the wrong direction. Maybe we want to go back to former President Taft after he was president was Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. 
there was political connections. That idea of a political background, along with being a lawyer, along with, yes, certainly having intellectual ability, I think we need to think about returning to. We need to think about returning to a, uh, a nomination process uh, that considers other people than just people being judges and working up the system. I'm not sure that that uh, creates and is creating uh, in a, uh, a process in our best interest. Well, I guess maybe to part with, <laughs> I need to tell you how much I'm admiring Dolly Parton. I've always liked Dolly's music. I've always thought she was something special. Uh, her coat of many colors, uh, Jolene, uh, her, her character of uh, giving books to children, her humanity in giving money away, her humanity of paying for a college education of the people that worked at Dollywood. Uh, and now she and uh, Patterson, the novelist, have combined together to write a new book, uh, The Road Rose, uh, I'm not quite, something Rose is in the name. It's about an aspiring uh, songwriter, singer, a woman in uh, Nashville trying to uh, make it big. Uh, Dolly's certainly familiar with that. And she's come out with a new album released, the same name as the book. Uh, so I'm sure you can go on uh, Spotify or uh, uh, music stores or some other place to get Dolly's new album. But the reason that I'm most particular thrilled with Dolly is this place in Cleveland, Ohio, called the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I've been there. It's a terrible venue. It, 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 it displays are kind of awful. Um, and they let everyone into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that has nothing to do at all with rock and roll. I believe Joan Baez is in there. And it's a place that is only after putting people in for money. First of all, the, the uh, inductees have to pay their own way there. They have to pay for the family or other expenses. I think there's, not only do they need to give things to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame so they can display, be displayed, but I think there's a certain amount of money they need to pay. Well, bless Dolly's heart. She said, no, thank you. I have never made a rock and roll record. Maybe when I do make a rock and roll record, maybe then I will consider being part of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The Country Music Hall of Fame, its past members elect them to the country music. The Blues Hall of Fame in Memphis, past people that have been elected to the Hall of Fame elect new members. The Academy Awards, the people that work in the industry vote 
on the Academy Awards. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, some people that want to draw people to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to, so that venue can make money are nominating the individuals. It's no, in, it's no peer review, it's no uh, uh, followers review, uh, it's no average music uh, lovers review. It's purely, in my opinion, a moneymaker. So give Dolly Parton a hand and stand up and say thank you, Dolly, for all you've done, and thank you for having the courage and the audacity to say no thank you. We as individuals need to do that at times. And so till we, uh, you put up with another Frank's musings again, uh, let's keep Dolly in our mind and have a great day and night. Thank you for watching and listening. This program was made possible by your Franklin friends and neighbors. Good folks, just like you. Thanks for supporting Franklin TV. And thanks for watching.